With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. It's been another exciting three games in the Devils season. And uh, we've got a little bit more time than anticipated to talk about the week ahead and to really reminisce about the week that was. The Devils, again, went 1-1-1. One, one, and one. I think this is the second episode we've recorded this year where that's happened. Uh, but their game that's coming out on the day of uh, this podcast being released has been postponed already. So John, John Fisher, that is for everyone who's uninformed, mm-hmm. um, guide us through this week in Devils hockey, just the week that was and then the week that might not be coming up. Well, the Devils will play two games this week mm-hmm. and, they're, and they're hard games. Uh, there's your tease. They're, they're not going to be easy ones, but fresh off a bounce filled, fortunate seven to three beating of Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, the devils went on to put up a bagel on the Islanders, a shutout for Mackenzie Blackwood, a 40 plus save shutout for Blackwood. He put in his time and effort as the devils uh, made Ilya Sorokin, probably play one of the best games you could see a goalie play while giving up four goals. Mm -hmm. That's right. The devils scored over three goals again for the second straight game. And um, they actually closed out the game really well. Um, And how they score those goals, John, one shorthanded. That's right. One on the power play. Fortunate off the power play. Thomas Tatar's uh, magical shin Mm -hmm. uh, redirected a missed shot by Dougie Hamilton to bounce hard off the ice and bounce past Sorokin for the two goal lead in the second period and a power play goal. The Mark Recchi system still sucks. Mm-hmm. And then Dawson Mercer uh, scored a banger of a goal in the third period. And Dougie Hamilton just added to the good times with a fourth goal. You just love to see it. Fun fact, Dan, there were a lot of Islanders fans at this game. Oh yeah. There were fan groups uh, who legitimately made t-shirts for this game. Uh, calling it uh, a takeover. And to be fair, the Islanders fans showed up and mass for this one. And understandably so mm-hmm. their arena has, is going to open on November 20th. That's next Saturday, or I'm sorry, this coming Saturday, I should say. Uh, so the Islanders have been on the road this entire season. This is probably one of the closest games they're going to play to long Island. So needless to say, the fans showed up for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were loud and proud for about the first two periods. And then after Mercer's goal, they got real quiet. And then after Hamilton's goal, they started to leave. And then when it was apparent that uh, Matt Barzell was not going to pull a, a, a wonder goal out of his, you know, where, and he was very close to doing so. Cause he's Matt Barzell and he still scares me. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, Every time. they started, they just Every started leaving time. early. So it, it was a great time to be a devil's fan. You beat a divisional uh, team. You beat a close team. Um, you won for nothing. 
good times. Yeah, no, we were in attendance for that game as well. I actually did go to that one with an Islanders fan, so that was an extra fun ride home. So I really Excellent. appreciated the Devils giving me basically a perfect game. I mean, not perfect in their five-on-five play, but a lot of that no. had to do with the fact that the Islanders were trailing most of the game as well. Yes. Um, and, and also, Blackwood deservedly earned his shutout. That's all I wanted at the end of the game. Two-nothing, three-nothing, four-nothing, whatever. Blackwood really got the devils to that point and the devils to their credit, like you said, defended well in the third, but they would not have been in that position if Blackwood had not done what he did the first two periods. Absolutely. And again, you know, Blackwood was easily the best player on the ice for both teams. Again, Sorokin did really well, despite the fact he gave up four goals. Like these were not four cheapies that he gave up on. Okay. Maybe he would like the first one back because he slid out of position, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, I would, I would actually give a lot of credit to Lindy Ruff and his coaching staff because, again, he really, outside of a couple shifts in the third period, the Islanders were just um, neutered, for lack of a better term. And the Devils just kept exploiting all the space between the forwards and the defensemen on the Islanders for a lot of stretch passes, a lot of um, open looks, a lot of potential odd man rushes that caused the Islanders to scramble back. And, you know, yes, the Devils, the Devils were only outshot by three in that period, but it meant that the Devils were keeping the Islanders more than honest, which led to a goal for Mercer and a goal for Hamilton. And could have had another goal in between. Holtz got robbed on a, on a shot. Other Johnson got robbed on a shot. So, you know, credit to the Devils for not just sitting back with a 2 nothing lead and saying, hey, Blackwood, just stop everything. Because you've been doing that for two periods. Like, they, they uh, the coaches really earned this one with their third period performance. Wish I could say it continued into the weekend, Dan. Yeah, the weekend, uh, the weekend back to back was not nearly as successful. No. Uh, I would say that you know, the results for the Devils Bruins game may have been lopsided score wise, but mm-hmm. it was realistically a closer game than that. It felt like it was the whole way, except for, of course, the dominance of one uh, perfection line. Yep, they're called the perfection line. For those who don't know, that's Patrice Bergeron. David Pasternak and the five foot nine uh, big nose of, the- of theory and um, infamy, Brad Marchand. And boy, did Brad Marchand uh, take the devils to school in this one. Um, he, you know, that line was just all over the devils, like from minute one, which is what you would expect. It's almost to the point where it's like when you see somebody play Edmonton and you just go, ah, if they stop McDavid and uh, dry saddle, you'll do well. Well, yeah, good luck, man, because mm-hmm. that's the exactly. same way for Boston. If you could stop the Bergeron line, then, you know, you're going to have a great night. But uh, good luck doing that. And case in point, the Devils did not have a good time doing that um, as they were responsible for three of the five goals that they allowed. Um, and not only that, but the Devils uh, continued their trend from previous games before the recent winning streak mm-hmm. of uh, just gifting goals. You know, Ty Smith giving up. Uh, an easy goal in the first period. Um, Jesper Bratt giving up the empty netter. Um, you know, guys just taking plays and, uh, you know, taking bad calls uh, to um, Mercer took a bad, bad tripping penalty that, you know, he paid the price for. He did redeem himself by scoring like literally the shift afterwards. But, you know, against a team like Boston and teams at Boston's uh, level, you just can't give them gifts of free possessions, free shots, and free goals because mm-hmm. you're just not going to win. And the Devils, they did make a game of it. By the end of the second period, they, you know, um, Johnson's, I'm sorry, Brat scored a banger mm-hmm. off of a great pass and a great read by Dawson Mercer to make it three to two. The Devils were storming the net. They were realizing that, you know, 
this the Swayman guy can you know he's not Tuka Rask here you could shoot at him but um one play went to Rye Taylor Hall got away with a really nasty cross check on Ryan Graves that injured him for at least that game mm-hmm. they Mr. Marchand went I'm sorry Mr. Pasternak went down and scored literally as uh Graves was getting up from the uh, activation and it became four, two and the devils tried, but it just wasn't going to happen. So, yeah. but again, it goes back to why were the devils in that position to begin with? Cause they were just making it a little easier for Boston than they needed it to be. And you know, the devil's power play sucked again, <laughs> devil's uh, penalty kill had, again, they gave up a goal again. And uh, again, the issues with the, you know, some of the defensive coverage, you just can't keep giving pucks away to the other team and expect to win games. You just Mm -hmm. can't. Yeah. It was just one too many mistakes that piled up against just a very, very good team. And um, I really want to look up what the numbers were like, because last year the devils matched up pretty well against Boston um, for the most part. So I wonder if it is the uh, trademark Travis Zajac difference, but I don't really think that he was matched up against them that often but who knows i'd love to look into that just to see um maybe if he contributed to the uh to use a word that you used earlier neutering of the perfection line well i can tell you um let me pick a game where the devils did well in um that's a hard thing to do there were a lot of games where it's basically the goaltender was the reason why the devils won the game and look in the first three or four games of the season something yeah like that. Uh, yeah I'm, I'm looking here okay devil's February 18th, 2021, Devils mm-hmm. three, Bruins two. And the Devils actually won the attempt uh, game by a one. Uh, let's see. Oh, and that, that second goal was like late in the game too. So let's see here. The matchups in particular opposition. Let's look at Mr. Bergeron, the patriarch of the so-called perfection line. Uh, actually, in that game, he was matched up the most against, this was back when Jack Hughes, Andreas Johnson, Mm. Jesper Bratt were, were a thing for a moment. Um, and Hughes won that matchup. It, Zajac, Zajac wasn't in this game, actually. Oh, I wow. Picked a game, I picked a game where he was still in protocol. So it is the Jack Hughes difference. It, it, yeah, I guess we can say it's all, it's all because Jack Hughes <laughs> and his shoulder. So basically, it's former Bruin Jeremy Lazan caused this loss. That's exactly what we're saying. We're, it was we the long smartest. play. That's we, the we, are, we are the smartest men in the room. Okay, well, this has derailed, but the Devils drop that game by a result of five to two, mm-hmm. and they move on to face their hated rivals and our hated rivals and your hated rivals. And honestly, you're sighing, but at, at least they stole a point here. And that's part of why I'm sighing is that they stole a point. Mm-hmm. You would think that after a game like Boston, where I just explained that they, you know, um, they made too many mistakes, they gifted the other team opportunities to attack. You would think the Devils would come out against their hated rivals and play, you know, a strong game. They didn't. Um, the Rangers are one of the worst five-on-five teams in hockey, and I would go as far as to say that a big reason why they're in third place in the division in this really, really mo- monstrous division that is the Metropolitan is because Igor Shesterkin has been a stud in the net, and guys like Chris Kreider are shooting hot. So it doesn't matter that Capo Caco was pointless going into this game, and Alexis Lafreniere has been. Um, not nearly as effective as Dawson Mercer. However, mm-hmm. the Devils, again, made it easy for the opposition here. So even though, you know, the first few minutes of the game was all Rangers hockey and Mackenzie Blackwood had to stand on his head to keep him in it. And 
The Devils did fight back. Jesper Mercer uh, sprung Jesper Brat for a breakaway. He scores on Alexander Georgiev. So it's one nothing after one. And it's like, okay, good. Let's reset. So in the second period, what do we see happen? Well, the Rangers get their first legitimate attack of the period. And Damon Severson doesn't realize how much time and space he has. He, he sees a puck near the crease. He decides to pitchfork this blindly with his backhand. And it got pitchforked blindly right to Adam Fox, who put it in the back of the net. So it's one one. Then yep. we have a pet. Then we have a rather auspicious slashing penalty, and then we have a worse slashing penalty called on Jimmy VC. Of which, while the kill may have technically been a success, uh, a bouncing puck was just touched in by Mister Lafreniere, uh, outdoing Mister Subban and Siegenthaler, just over the line to make it two one. Uh, fortunately, the Devils roared back by uh, just saying, "Screw the power play system." of the only power play of the night for the Devils, by the way. Yeah. Where Dougie Hamilton decided, I'm just going to gain the zone and take a shot on Alexander Georgiev because Georgiev isn't very good, and it's two to two. So, okay, it's two to two, but the, guess who's fighting back to uh, storm the game again? Our hated rivals. Yes, <laughs> it's like yes, you yes. Fought, you, you get a fortunate break, uh, maybe not break, but you get, a, you get a power play goal for a power play that really hasn't had any. And once again, it wasn't a systemic power play goal. It was just Dougie Hamilton taking care of business himself. And then you know, what if we just made that the system, John? What if that was the answer? I, I am at the point where maybe that should be the answer. Just just gain the zone and take a shot 35 feet away from the net. It's better than what you're trying to do. Try your luck, honestly. It's Alexander Georgiev. He's not that good. Perfect, <laughs> perfect timing to do so anyway. But again, the Rangers roar back into the into the game Kako somehow misses on an empty net uh thanks to some really horrible ice conditions of this game that uh deflated both teams to a degree and then the third period begins and guess who's attacking again our hated rivals mm-hmm. and um a really bad bad m- mistake by ryan graves who hasn't had too many mistakes this season coughs up the puck in the neutral zone to cause a three on two Kako uh turns the corner because hamilton can't he ha- Hamilton has to respect the middle guy. So um, Kaku just storms in alone. And um, this is where the controversy happens, Dan. Uh, he goes around Blackwood, effectively goes through Blackwood and mm. scores. So it's now three to two and Blackwood is shaken up. And ultimately later, a couple minutes later, Blackwood was actually called out of the game to go into concussion protocol. By the spotters. By the spotters. So anybody who's wondering what did the spotters do? Well, this is a great example of what they do. And it was the right call because Kako drilled Blackwood in the head on his goal. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, I'm going to put the question to you. Should Lindy Ruff did not challenge this call. Yeah. I can explain why he didn't because I you know read the post game stuff. But in your opinion, Dan, should he have? I think inherently he was probably thinking along the lines of what I was thinking. And I also read this interview as a spoiler. So I I know his reasoning and I don't disagree with his reasoning Okay, just because I've seen those calls are so ambiguous and vague that is it worth the risk for a penalty kill? That's terrible. Maybe not. Thank you. I'm very glad that you came to, because I came to the same conclusion because my initial reaction was, I'm glad you didn't challenge it because I don't think you would have won it. Because mm-hmm. the fact that um, the referees didn't conference over it, Toronto didn't buzz in, the Devils, if the Devils video coaches saw a play that like that and said, we're not sure about this, then in a sense, you don't want to risk, you just gave up a goal in the third period. You don't want to risk 
asking your penalty kill, which has been porous this season Mm -hmm. to go out and, you know, say, you know, save the game, so to speak, and keep it within one. Um, I personally would, I wouldn't have minded in retrospect because having seen replays of the, of the action, it was a shoulder to the head. Like it's legitimate contact here. And you could argue that that was the reason why Blackwood couldn't have made a save on it because he was too busy getting, uh, you know, bodied by Mr. Kako here. Um, but it was really telling that what you, given that Mason Geertsen was in this lineup and given the rivalry and given that our hated rivals have loaded up on the beef in this game, there wasn't really a lot of that. You didn't see anybody like go after Kako after the fact and say, hey, how dare you do that thing? Any more than nobody on nobody in blue went after PK Subban when an unfortunate toe pick, an accidental toe pick, uh, took out Sammy Blyes from the game or Sammy mm-hmm. Blay from the game. I so, don't really know what I mean. I think we're all in agreement here when we say, "What does Geertsen do if he's not going to impose a quote unquote impose his will physically? If he's not going to contribute at the other end of the ice, then I." Who's doing the analysis here? What was the uh, record with him in the game of one, two, and two, I think? Yeah, I believe that's been pointed out by a number of Devil fans, most notably C- X, all about the Jersey writer CJ Totoro, who agrees with me that putting Geertz in the lineup is wasting a roster spot. And you may be wondering, people who are listening to this show after the fact, why was Geertz in the lineup, you ask? Well, apparently Alexander Holtz has not been performing to, up to standard, uh, which I in a sense, kind of agree with, but at the same time, Alexander Holtz is way better than Mason Geertsen and twice on Sunday. And that game was on a Sunday, Dan. Mm, um, good taking, point. And, and not only, well made. not only did Geertsen was a waste of roster space combined with VC and his penalty, VC's minutes were also cut. So you're in the second mm-hmm. half of a back-to-back set, which, Oh, by the way, you lost at home. You're on the road. You're playing effectively with 10 forwards. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem smart to me, Dan. It doesn't really seem smart and it doesn't really work well. It, it's something that no. doesn't give them the juice they need to uh, take the slack, you know, offensive slack off that what seems to be a go-to line now for Ruff in uh, Mercer, Johnson, Brat, And that seems to be what's trickling to the rest. You know, the first two lines can generate some stuff, but everything else is just not really working as well. And so no. um, that's, you know, that's what, the absence of Hughes really means at the end of the day, but yeah, it's, it's something that Geertsen's never going to help you with whether or not Hughes is there. So right. Why bother? Exactly. I mean, I understand Tice Thompson was injured. So maybe in, if he was available, Thompson would have gone in for Holtz. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can understand sending Holtz back to Utica to get his uh, game back in order. Cause Playing a couple shifts and getting robbed by goaltenders every night is probably not helping him. And the power play certainly isn't helping him since Mark Recchi and his and the coaches seem to think, let's put all the pressure on a 19-year-old rookie to make this power play work. Spoiler, that's a bad idea. Yep. Um, but I am happy to say that the two lines of actual offensive ability actually did yield a very important goal as Heesher, Tatar, and Zaka scored a fortunate goal equalizer late in the game where Tatar fired a pass that hit off Heischer's back, dropped to Zaka. Zaka mm-hmm. fires a shot. Georgiev gives up a juicy rebound and Zaka says, thank you very much. Put it in the back of the net. It's three to three with a couple minutes left in regulation. And uh, despite a Ranger surge, we go to overtime. And overtime is uh, 
weirdly slow compared to other three on three overtimes the Devils have played. Yeah. Almost as if they were just ready to go to a shootout for some well, reason. Well, Brat did get a, another breakaway, but he was denied on, yeah. on that. And uh, by the way, since Blackwood was pulled from the game, Bernier was in. So he was effectively getting, you know, trying to get his minutes in. Um, I felt the Devils did a fairly good job until Damon Severson decided to stay on too long for a shift on offense. Yep. Miss his man on a pass in the neutral zone. And therefore the devil spent the last 40 or so seconds surviving with Severson stuck out there because he missed the pass. Well, and the Rangers had had that on the ice with uh, both Fox and I think Panarin had really long shifts as well. Yeah. But Panarin's typically taking long shifts in overtime. It was actually mentioned on one of the ESPN plus broadcasts uh, from Mr. Tortorella who, coach Panarin in Columbus and in New York mm-hmm. uh, that uh, yeah, just, he, he just says, I'm just going to leave you out there, dude. You can perform well when you're tired. It's the other guys who can't. And yeah, yeah. Betting on Panarin is probably better than betting on um, Kevin Rooney. Um, nevertheless, we went to a shootout and then uh, the shootout was infuriating. It was something that, you know, the devils put themselves in positions to win and they couldn't get that last save that they needed. And the shootout went, what, seven rounds, eight rounds, seven rounds, seven, seven rounds, rounds. Uh, another notoriously long New York Rangers shootout. Uh, right. But this one didn't require a between the legs goal to end. This one was a goal by Chris Kreider and the Devils uh, leave New York with one point. It's it's especially frustrating because and I've said this before, part of the reason why the Devils have been so bad in shootouts for the last seven, eight years is because they just don't score very many goals. Like the goaltending hasn't been great, but they just don't score and you need to score to win shootouts. So on a night where you get a goal from Brat, you get a lucky goal from Hamilton where it looked like Georgie have made the save. And then the puck popped up and went behind him. It was like Mercer's goal against the Islanders. Well, Mercer, Mer- I, I want to give Mercer a little more credit. I think Mercer intentionally did that. I think Hamilton got a little fortunate there, but nevertheless, okay. With that Hamilton goal, you just needed the one save to uh, win the game. Didn't happen. You go to round four. Both guys get stopped. Round five, Johnson scores. So, hey, we're talking three shootout goals for the Devils. That's a lot for them. Uh, But you couldn't get the uh, save uh, then. And then round six, uh, Tatar unfortunately gets denied by a skate. Uh, The Devils Uh, make a save. Scorpion. Um, And then, you know, Kreider wins the game. So, you know, in a sense, the Devils didn't play well. In In a way, they, like... In terms of attempts in five on five, it was fairly even mm-hmm. at 52 53. But shots in five on five were 24 34 in favor of our hated rivals. And that's because a lot of the devil's shots ended up in the uh, legs of the uh, Rangers or they just missed the net. Accuracy was lacking. And this may shock you, Dan, but it's hard to win hockey games when you're getting outshot by a wide margin and you're mm-hmm. not putting your attempts on net. And it's harder to win when your special teams doesn't help you win, even if you get a power play goal. Uh, because Dougie Hamilton just beat Georgie F straight up. And it's especially ha- sad when you had the opportunity to get that big second point going into the re- remainder of this week, but you didn't. And instead you just helped out your division rival. Yeah. And you know what? That was a game at Madison square garden. It was their first game back there um, since last season. So it's something that I can forgive it this time around on the end of a back-to-back. It would have been nice to get the two points, but in a game like that where they certainly did not perform their best, 
I'll take the one if I'm, you know, rather that than zero in this situation. But oh, certainly. Yeah. Um, this week kind of changes dynamics a little bit because tomorrow, or like I said, upload day's game against the Ottawa Senders has been postponed. They have 10 players on the COVID-19 protocol list. Um, this comes after a cascade of other players, coaches, and staff have hit the COVID-19 protocols. But yeah, the Senders can't really play their next um their next three games have all been postponed. So they're going to wait out this week before they can practice, do anything. The devil's game tomorrow becomes a practice at 11 AM. And for the rest of the week, they go to Florida. Oh yeah. The hard part of this schedule, because the devils will be on the road, which as so far this season has proven to be a bit of a challenge. Um, if you remember those games in California, Dan, those were not good performances. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would suggest to you, Dan, that the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning are way better hockey teams than Anaheim, L.A., and San Jose. Well, the one in Pittsburgh was pretty good. True, but Pittsburgh was also beset by COVID. Um, actually, no, I take it back. It was actually before their COVID issues. Mm-hmm. They, had other, they had other injury concerns, and they did get Crosby back for that game. Okay, the Pittsburgh game went well, but the last four road games have left a lot to be desired. And now you're going to go against a Florida team that's probably going to look for some revenge after the 7-3 beating that mm-hmm. they took last Tuesday. And if I check the stats correctly, Dan, I'm checking the stats live because I'm dangerous like that. Florida has yet to lose a home game as of this recording. Yep. So, uh, yeah, this, if you can get anything out of Thursday night's game, take it and run. And Tampa Bay, on the other hand, they've been a little bit more uh, susceptible at home at 3-2-2 two, and two as of this recording. But, you know, it's still the Tampa Bay Lightning, Dan. They're still really good. They're still really talented. And, um, yeah, that, it's going to be in their building. So it's going to be a tough set of games. It was always going to be a tough set of games, regardless of whether or not they played in, against Ottawa tomorrow. I would have liked to have the game played just because rescheduling games is incredibly difficult to do. Mm-hmm. And out of this week, you know, our hated rivals, Ottawa, Florida, Tampa Bay, Ottawa is pretty much the one game where I'm looking at saying, you got to win this game. Just tell me you're better than Ottawa. <laughs> tell me that you're better than this really bad Ottawa team. But understandably so, they can't play the game because Ottawa is almost at a point where they may not be able to ice a, an NHL roster at this point. Um, so that's where we stand. Two tough games on Thursday and Saturday on the road. We'll see what the Devils can pull out of them if anything. And John, what do these postponements for an Ottawa Senators week mean for the NHL as a whole? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Dan, because this is not just something that's going to be impacting Ottawa, New Jersey, Nashville, and our hated rivals. Because Ottawa's week is, that was their week. They were going to play New Jersey, Nashville, and and the Rangers. Um, And they have a road trip going out west the following week. So I'm sure Colorado, San Jose, Anaheim, and LA, they're looking forward to whether or not they're going to have their games at all. But there is a larger issue at hand. And this was something that didn't really get a lot of attention then because, you know, there weren't any issues back in September. But back when the NHL and the NHLPA agreed to opt into the Olympics, the Winter Olympics in Beijing, to send their players in February, there was an agreement between the NHL and the NHLPA to state that if games have to be postponed due to COVID or other unforeseen circumstances, then the, De- then the NHL, not the Devils, but the NHL has the ability to opt out of the Olympics entirely mm-hmm. because 
the NHL's goal for this season, and the PA is on board with this too. So this isn't just the NHL's making a decision here, but the agreement is we need to have an 82 game season. We're going to have a full 2021, 2022 season come hell or high water. And the schedule as it is, is already really, really cramped. It's going all the way to the end of April. We already have dates get set up for when the playoffs could end. We already have dates set up for the draft and free agency. So, and, and in general, rescheduling games is just a really difficult thing to do because arenas have only certain dates for availability. You have to consider whether or not teams can travel, whether or not, you know, you're avoiding a three game, uh, three game in a row situation, which the PA would have to grant an exception for. So the fact that there's a three week break in February that is set aside for the Olympics, that is going to look very, very tantalizing to mm-hmm. say, you know what, if we have a lot of postponements, we need to use these weeks because we have to have a season here. And I like to remind all the listeners that, you know, as much as Olympic hockey may be appealing to the general fan here, the NHL gets nothing directly out of this. Like they can't use Olympic highlights to advertise themselves. They can't uh, use the Olympics to promote their game. Uh, the broadcast might, but uh, since the broadcast is going to be on, I believe, NBC, Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't think NBC is going to be jazzed about promoting an ESPN and TNT product. So <laughs> they're not going to get ads like you would have seen in past Olympics because of the NBC connection. Um but the reality is, is that participation for the players really doesn't directly benefit the NHL. And if anything, it's more or less a risk because if somebody gets hurt at the Olympics, well, you know, the NHL suffers for it. The team suffers for it. So the NHL has to keep in mind what's best for their business. And that is having a full season. Mm-hmm. So Frank Saravalli of Daily uh, Faceoff highlighted this fact in light of the news that came out today, first reported by Bruce Garriach of the Ottawa Sun and confirmed by, you know, Darren Drager and Elliot Freeman and later the league and the teams. Um, but Sarah Valley raised this really important point because while three games may not be enough to do it, if we start seeing postponements elsewhere, like if Ottawa has to postpone say seven games mm-hmm. or other teams have to start postponing games, um, then this possibility may become more of a real possibility for now. I would just keep it in the back of your mind. Uh, but I would you like you to just, don't forget about that little fact. It might come up if we get more postponements. Yeah, we're hoping it doesn't have to be employed in this case. It would just be nice to see all the NHLers at the top level of competition. But, um, you know, what are you going to do? We're still in this same situation. There's not much that can be done other than just to keep people safe to the best of everyone's ability. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's it. That that's That's the most you can say. And you can hope for the best and hope that everyone's following the protocols that you know they agreed to to make this season work in that way yes and um i do want to highlight one other important fact from this and this is more devil specific um because it was a home game that's being postponed here and that means a home game will replace it so i did receive from my season ticket representative and this is now on the devil's website as part of their announcement of the postponement that if you have a ticket or a prepaid event parking pass for the game for November 16th, it will be valid for the rescheduled game date. So if you're a member of the black and red, you got your tickets from the devils, your, your ticket will still be good for whenever that game is going to be. If you got your ticket from Ticketmaster, you'll get an email. If you haven't received it already directly from Ticketmaster, and your game should be, that ticket should still be valid for the rescheduled game. If you got it from a secondary market, like SeatGeek, StubHub, uh, TickIQ, I don't know what else is a secondary market site at this moment. Um, 
you're going to have to call their customer service representative, but um, they'll, they'll probably be able to help you out because that's the reality of the postponement. So credit to the devils for at least being upfront to say, yeah, your ticket's likely still good as long as you got it from us or Ticketmaster, which most tickets are. All right, John, looking out for the people there. Thank you, John. And I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Just want to give a quick shout out to the Utica Comets for starting the season 10-0-0. Unbelievable stuff down there in the AHL. Let's hope they can keep it rolling. And actually, to tie the record, they have to beat the team that set the record, the Rochester Americans. So that's a little interesting um, twist there. But other than that, Thank you all for listening. And as always, let's go Devils. They'll be starting games later in the week than uh, we anticipated, but we'll be back next week to talk about the ones they do get to play down in Florida. Right. Go Devils and good luck in Florida. Bye, everyone. Bye.